here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Ladies and gentlemen... This happens from time to time, and normally I just keep this stuff to myself, quite frankly. But I got a letter. I got a letter from an anonymous source in the New York Times newsroom. It's a senior person in the New York Times newsroom. You would know who this individual is if I told you who this individual is, but I'm not going to tell you. Because I don't want this person to get fired. And this individual in the uh, New York Times newsroom is very, very upset. So I had Mr. Producer vet the person. And um, I'm going to read you part of the letter that this person uh, sent to me. This is what the person wrote. The New York Times is facing a test of its journalistic integrity. Our motto is all the news that's fit to print. But our new motto should be all the news that fits a birdcage. Arthur Sulzberger XVI, whose family tree doesn't fork, is making yellow journalism great again. His father was known as Punch, he writes me which explains his nickname, Rabbit Punch, as he's known among cousin siblings. He has a very bad temper. He's known to throw tantrums when the vowels are left out of his alphabet soup. Now, Rabbit Punch of the New York Times worked his way up from the bottom of the news business, and during that one week that he spent at the bottom was pure hell before succeeding his father as chairman of the company. And of course, he drove the Times to new heights of bankruptcy. Rabbit Punch has hired a very diverse group of journalists from the left and far left. In fact, they're so left-wing that they only type on the left side of their keyboards. And as a senior journalist with the Times, I wanted to succeed. But when Rabbit Punch decided to put out a commemorative comic book when Obama won the presidency, the managing editor of our paper, Shlomo Fitzgerald Kennedy, quickly removed the first draft from his desk. And, of course, Rabbit Punch never knew that it was presented in the first case. Now, one senior editor left Rabbit Punch's office complaining that he was crudely drawing genitalia in the margins of an op-ed by some White House anonymous source. In fact, it got so bad that senior staff stopped letting him edit editorials because he kept inserting the words platypus and kumquat in every sentence for no apparent reason. Now, Rabbit Punch shows little affinity for ideals like free press, free speech, and free markets. But lots of affinity for free love, as long as there's no one else in the room. He's a big supporter of LGBTQ, which he's convinced is the way you spell the word Oldsmobile. Rabbit Punch's leadership style is akin to Vincent the Chin Gigante, as he's often found wandering around 
in the halls of the New York Times in a bathrobe. But there is some good news. The good news is that rabbit punch is occasionally allowed outside without wearing a helmet. And he can also be found taking a knee when watching the Fox News channel on television. Now this letter, I cannot tell you who sent me this letter. It's anonymous. I will say the individual is a he, but that could mean the individual is a she. So I'm doing that to confuse you. I know that the editors and the, and the writers and the editorial writers and the op-ed writers over at the New York Times, each and every one will deny that it's them. That's okay. I keep my confidences. But the truth is, thank God for the real journalists, all three of them, at the New York Times. Because otherwise, the paper record, the paper record which hid the Holocaust in its back pages from 1933 to 1945, otherwise, this magnificent institution of American journalism and free press, where would it be today? But for those three journalists. Rabbit Punch Sulzberger. We want him to succeed, the anonymous senior writer for the New York Times told me, we want him to succeed. But all the success that the New York Times has had in lowering its subscriptions, in lowering its readership, in failing to report on so much news, from dossiers to FBI corruption to unmasking of American citizens, has actually been done by a staff of patriots. Staff of patriots who have tried desperately to get this news into the pages of the New York Times. But they've been thwarted. But all the success that is the New York Times, such as it is, is due to the three real journalists that work there. The three real... I'm not saying if it's Maggie. I'm not saying that she's the anonymous. I, I'm not going to tell you. Or David. I'm not, I'm not going to... Or, 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 or Paul. Or any of them. I made a promise. My word is my bond. And my bond is my word. And so it is with grave concern for freedom of the press. For news. For the fourth estate. That Anonymous wrote me this letter and that I conveyed to you. Because the state of journalism in this country is in serious, serious condition. And the greatest newspaper ever printed, according to the news industry, is failing. Now, I want it to succeed. I really do. I want it to succeed. I wish the pages of the New York Times had actual news. I wish the pages of the New York Times had actual bylines. I wish the editorial page of the New York Times didn't have a, a racist and others writing for I really do. I wish the pages of the New York Times 
had some level of balance. I do. And whatever successes it's had in its comic section, in its classified section, is thanks to, really, the staff. A handful of patriots who believe in freedom of the press. A handful who believe in freedom of the press. How can it be that a single family, a single man, Rabbit Punch Sulzberger, can have so much power and so much control? How can it be? There's a provision in the Constitution, two of them, to deal with presidents, impeachment in the 25th Amendment. How do we deal with oligarchs or monopolists? who are a threat to our society, who are so imbalanced, who are mentally ill, potentially anyway. How do we deal with them? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. What a fan I've been of Burt Reynolds. And I joke about the movie Deliverance. Well, as you know, he died a few hours ago of a heart attack. And he was living in his beloved Jupiter, Florida. And if you go to Jupiter, Florida, and you drive on A1A, you'll see that he donated extremely valuable land to the town. Burt Reynolds Park on either side of the road. And yet he was fairly destitute near the end of his life um, due to marriages and bad investments and so forth. And he didn't appear that much. But he did a few months ago at a local event, I believe in Stewart, Florida, about 20 miles down the road from Jupiter. And the people loved him. And many of us growing up around his movies and so forth, he was, he was a, a hilarious person. He, he was a very good actor, too. But, you know, when these things happen and you have memories of it, you know, it's very, very sad. So uh, he died of a heart attack today. Burt Reynolds was only 82. And in that movie, Deliverance... There were some other great actors. One in particular. John Voight was in that movie too. And John Voight and I, over the years, have become quite friendly. And really, it's a very sad irony that John Voight is flying into the uh, Life, Liberty, and Levin studio tomorrow... And uh, the plan is to interview him for my Sunday show. John Voigt. All right. Okay, a lot of you young folks out there, you don't even know who I'm talking about. That's all right. I don't know a lot of the... Uh... Anyway, it doesn't matter. Very, very sad. All right, let's, uh, let's get into this. And not for a long time. This anonymous piece in the New York Times. People want to focus on who wrote it. Well, obviously, somebody who lacks any integrity, any loyalty, 
and any patriotism write something like this. You don't work in an administration you despise and take a government paycheck, a check from the taxpayers. And you don't work from within to destroy an administration. It's hard enough to be president of the United States. It's hard enough to make the right decisions. It's hard enough to deal with your political opponents. But when they're under your nose and behind your back, it's impossible, impossible to run a presidency. I hear some of these people on talk radio. They think this is very funny. It's not funny at all. Some of these people have never worked in an administration. I have. And when a president is undermined from within, it is very difficult for that branch of government to function as it should, even with all the successes. In the case of President Trump, he can't rely on his, his lawyer because they're talking to prosecutors. He can't rely on even confidential phone calls with foreign heads of state because that gets leaked to the media. I've never seen anything like this. He's had people around him who seek to promote themselves at every turn in the media. And let me tell you a little trick here for analyzing this. If there are people around the president who never have a negative story written about them or never have any story written about them and they're relatively senior, chances are, it's not 100% proof, but it's a pretty good equation, chances are they're leakers. Chances are they're leakers. And the President of the United States, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I looked at this piece and I determined two things. If you're the New York Times and you want to protect this anonymous, you call the writer a he when the writer is a she. They call the writer a he. I suspect the writer is a she. Much of the focus of this op-ed is on foreign policy. So that suggests to me that it's likely a she is in the foreign policy realm. That could be intelligence, it could be national security, it could be State Department. That's my surmise, because they're particularly upset with the president's activities when it comes to Russia and so forth. And of course, any successes that the president has had is not due to him, it's in spite of him. So in other words, the president can't win. Even when he makes decisions, they're not really his decisions, you know. They're the staff's decisions. So this individual or these individuals, they are, you know what they are? They're mutineers. This is a mutiny. This is sabotage. This is a silent coup. And I've been talking about it since day one. Mr. Producer, um, the day after the election, I have to keep pointing this out. And I love the talk show host says, I can date when I said it earlier. Then play it. Don't say it. Play it. November 9th, 2016, the day after the election. Cut one, go. Let me tell you what the Democrats mean to do to you, Mr. Trump. They intend to sabotage you. They intend to sabotage you every step of the way and then blame you. They intend to look for every Now let's stop right there. You hear radio hosts do this. So when the president responds to these 
these these outrageous attacks, which the media give voice to, and I'll get to that in a second, too. The president is mocked. Oh, you know, yeah. Very childish, very stupid. So the president is mocked. Go ahead. To criminalize the politics that swirls around. And they're good at it, and they do it. And if necessary, they intend to try to impeach you. Trust me when I tell you this is their agenda. They are vicious. They are ideologues. They have a Soviet-style mentality. They will not allow an election to get in their way. November 9, 2016, the day after the election. That is exactly what's taking place. I'll be right back. conservative fire the mark levin show call in now at 877-381-3811 now the new york times thinks what anonymous wrote is crucial to the republic you know the people need to know the people need to know what's going on in the white house you see They didn't need to know what was going on in the John Kennedy White House when he was sleeping with an East German spy or a mob boss's girlfriend. That doesn't threaten anything or anyone. Or the affairs with Marilyn Monroe. No, 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 that doesn't threaten national security. Or the attacks on Martin Luther King through the FBI and J. Edgar Hoover. No, you know, Camelot. And I could go on and on, of course. Franklin Roosevelt. They hid Frank, Frank, uh, Franklin Roosevelt's handicap from the American people. Why? He had polio. He couldn't really walk. He had very heavy braces. Nobody knew it. Well, why hide it? You think they could hide that today? Or all the drugs that John Kennedy had to take for his various illnesses. Well, why hide that? But when it comes to Donald Trump, they want to know about his father, who's been deceased for some time. They want to know about his children. They want to know about his grandchildren. Excuse me. They want information from his former private lawyer. They want information from the CEO of Trump World. Got to know everything. Documents, documents, oh, and his tax returns. Did anybody ever demand John Kennedy's tax returns? More so, did anybody ever demand the old man's tax returns? Did anybody ever demand Joe Kennedy Sr.'s tax returns? And did anybody ever make an issue of how he became super rich? Of course not. Or did they hold it against John Kennedy that his father was sympathetic to Hitler? In fact, FDR, who had appointed him ambassador to the court of St. James, had to yank his ticket and bring him back. Oh, yeah. All kinds of stuff going on out there. All kinds of stuff. And the New York Times didn't give a damn. Still doesn't give a damn. When it came to Barack Obama... I mean, if, if, if Donald Trump had been friends with domestic terrorists, would Robert Mueller be investigating that? You better damn well believe it. 
Well, what about Obama? Hey, what are you, racist? The New York Times and the rest of them, obviously, uh, they have it out for the president. There's, there was no reason to run this op-ed, none whatsoever, except to create a news cycle. This isn't news. This is concocted, manufactured, fabricated news. It isn't real news. Nothing's happened. It's somebody's opinion. A disgruntled, malcontent, miscreant, who really is utterly dishonorable. But so is the New York Times for running it. There are always people within an administration who object to what the president is doing. Always. But the vile nature of the attacks on Trump are really unprecedented. Absolutely unprecedented. You even have so-called conservative TV and radio hosts who were really never Trumpers. They at least admit that they were never Trumpers. Who, even when Trump is attacked, they say, you know, it's really wrong for that attack to occur. But Trump, you know, and any reaction, he does this, and Trump, and, and Trump, and then, uh, see that? I'm objective. That's not objective. That's not even analysis. Trump didn't do anything. The real culprit here is the New York Times. It's like if you dare to watch CNN or MSNBC, they push their agenda based on the hosts that they hire, the guests that they invite, and the matters that they prioritize. It's clear. It's quite clear. Well, Mark, Fox does the same thing. You know, Fox does some of that, but not all of that. And the thing about Fox, of which I am now a, uh, a member of the uh, Fox family, but I don't talk to anybody. I mean, I'm, it's not like I'm talking to management. But they have their different areas. You know, you have opinion hosts and you have news hosts. You can't tell the difference on CNN. You can't tell the difference on MSNBC. You can't tell the difference in the pages of the New York Times or the Washington Post. This op-ed is a news story now. But it's an op-ed. Doesn't matter. It's a news story. It's such a news story that even the Washington Post had a comment on it. You know what their title was? The sleeper cells have awoken. Sleeper cells? Aren't sleeper cells terrorist operations, Mr. Producer? Sleeper cells, you mean like Hezbollah in the United States? Sleeper cells within an administration. Think about that. Sleeper cells within an administration trying to take down the administration or in some way harm the president. A spy assigned to the Trump campaign by the FBI. FBI agents. Now we know it was broader than ever before trying to convince the Russians that there were ties between Russia and the Trump campaign, but the Russians said, no, there aren't any. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. No great story on that in the Holocaust-denying New York Times or the Amazon Washington Post or the Comcast NBC, MSNBC, 
Who the hell owns CNN at this point? I don't even know. The great billionaires keep shuffling the, uh, the, these media companies around. Oh, Turner Broadcasting, yes. Doesn't somebody own Turner Broadcasting? I think somebody does. Whatever. Doesn't matter. No, there's another company that owns Turner Broadcasting. I am part of the resistance inside the Trump administration. Somebody wrote today, and it was very well put. And unlike others, I will tell you somebody wrote it today and not pretend that it was my idea. Can you imagine if this happened in the Obama administration? It may have been uh, Charles Cook over at National Review. That guy is very impressive to me. But whomever, whomever wrote it, can you imagine the Obama administration, somebody saying, look, I am sick and tired of Barack Obama circumventing the Constitution, first with DACA, then with the Iran deal, violating the treaty clause of the Constitution, the use of the IRS, the weaponizing of the IRS, and, and all these other agencies, and on and on and on, and say, I'm going to submit an anonymous op-ed in the New York Times. Do you think they would have printed that? They would have gone after that person and tried to destroy them. Because they like Barack Obama. They endorsed Barack Obama. Twice. Twice. This entire thing has been manufactured. You see, right? Here's a newspaper that is contacted by a go-between from a disgruntled official somewhere in the Trump administration, not even necessarily at the White House. Says, I, I, I have something to say, and it's to trash the President of the United States. To trash the President of the United States from within. From within. New York Times says, yeah, okay, good, that'll be a great op-ed. So they run it on its opinion page. And then it becomes News. It's news in the New York Times. It's news in the Washington Post. It's news all over TV. It's news in other newspapers. Wow, look at this. And it just so happens it syncs up with Bob Woodward's book, Fear. Bob Woodward of the uh, Washington Post. It just syncs up. Isn't that amazing? Now, it wasn't that long ago that Bob Woodward was trashed by his fellow journalists, which I also read today, some excellent quotes. I think it was Investor's Business Daily. In the mainstream media, so-called mainstream media. And by the way, notice how they call themselves mainstream media when they are progressive statists. They are the Praetorian Guard for the left. Oh, mainstream media. Mainstream media news platform. And they do these quotes. It's, it's unbelievable. Quotes. These, these leftists in the, the Newsweek and the Huffington Post and this one. Just trashing Woodward because he wrote a fairly neutral book about George W. Bush. Fairly neutral. But now he's back. John Dean's another one. John Dean is a paid contributor. I believe it's to CNN. John Dean pled guilty 
to obstruction of justice. He lost his law license forever. Do you know we now have continuing legal education courses in the legal field as a result of what John Dean did as White House counsel? And do you know that he teaches some of the courses? And now he gives comment on the Trump administration. And the other day he trashed the president of the United States as some kind of a dictator or words of that sort. So they drag these guys out of the gutter to put them out front. They have no qualms, no shame whatsoever. Because they are creating quote-unquote news. It's not newsworthy. This anonymous piece isn't newsworthy. Well, look at this. We get insight into the Trump administration. No, we don't. We don't get insight into anything except one coward's mind. That's all. Investors Business Daily, the, the press, the progressive state of press called Bob Woodward's credibility finally hits the ocean floor. The myth of Bob Woodward. Why is this man an American icon? What the hell happened to Bob Woodward? Woodward as journalistic hero, the real state of denial, the long, long fall of Bob Woodward, and the troubling things I learned when I re-reported Bob Woodward's book on John Belushi. These were brutal attacks. Who are they by? They were by, let's see, papers like um, the Huffington Post, the New Republic, Newsweek, New York Magazine, and so forth. These were the headlines. They had nothing but contempt. But now he's a useful idiot, Woodward. An idiot is, is the, right, the right. Can you imagine Woodward and Bernstein, an IQ of negative 17 between the two of them? Between the two of them. But now Woodward's back. Any other porn stars out there? We, we need to talk to them. How about their lawyers? They're slip and fall lawyers. We need to talk to them. Anybody? Any other fiction writers? Anybody? Anybody? Every day, day in and day out. You know, Bill O'Reilly said something or wrote something. I'm not a big Bill O'Reilly guy. We've never really cared for each other. I, I don't know him. We don't talk to each other. But he made a good point. He said the goal here is to wear out the American people. Just wear us down, day in and day out, day in and day out. And I would add, for the purpose of setting up a massive victory for the left in the midterm elections so they can remove the president. That's the plan. To just wear us down every day, every day. It's not one thing, it's ten things. I'll be right back. in. Tell me, are the, uh, is uh, CBS News defined by Charlie Rose? Tell me, is NBC defined by Matt Lauer? I mean, the media are filled with so many sleazeballs and perverts and sexual predators. What happened to that? They found them all suddenly all over? And so here we have a news story based on an anonymous op-ed that any jackass could have written. And now we'll have three, four days of this. Who is it? Who, who, who is it? Who is it? Look at the 7,800 administration officials who deny it's them. Oh, look at this. And their pictures are all over the screen. 
oh, Trump, Trump must be, he, and, and look at Trump's reaction as a child. Yeah, and, and why does he react this way uh, through Twitter? Why does he say the things he says? Why does, why does he do that? Well, the same reason the rest of us would, geniuses. If you're not guilty of what you're accused of, or if you're trashed day in and day out, you know, it's a human response. And presidents are, believe it or not, human. And this president's being treated like trash. Like trash. You have to be Helen Keller not to see it and hear it. It's disgusting. All right, Mr. Producer, there we go. I'm doing my best. You know this computer? I should throw it in the Potomac River. You know, when, uh, when an emergency strikes, what's your first impulse? If you answer, it's the run to the grocery store, well, you'll likely find chaos and empty shelves. Well, how do you avoid this? It's simple. You plan in advance. You use today to make a plan to prepare. One practical place to start is storing up food in your home. I trust and use my Patriot Supply for my food storage. And you can too, so you'll be ready for earthquakes, hurricanes, and it is hurricane season, long-term power outages, and more. Now, here's a great special that makes it simple. Each person in your household should have a two-week emergency food supply from my Patriot. Now, these kits are only $75 right now and contain 92 servings of breakfasts, lunches, and dinners. Take action. Call 800-294-2325 or go to my special website, which is preparewithmark.com. The food lasts up to 24 years in storage. Meals compact in a, a rugged, slimline tote, too. Only $75. Rest tonight knowing you're prepared. Order your food kits at 800-294-2325 or go to preparewithmark.com. 800-294-2325 or preparewithmark.com. Let me ask uh, the low IQ hosts and writers who call themselves journalists. And by the way, I said the other day, what exactly is a standard for a journalist? What, what, what makes one a journalist? Self-identification? What makes Jake Tapper a journalist when Jake Tapper worked for a Democrat congresswoman and worked for handgun controlling? What, by the way, Chuck Todd, his office hasn't even responded. Mr. Freedom of Speech and Freedom of the Press will not come on the Mark Levin show because Chuck, in the end, is a coward. He only goes to safe places like a nice little liberal snowflake. But what makes Chuck Todd a journalist? Because he says he is? Because other non-journalists says he is? Guy worked for Tom Harkin, one of the lousiest, most left-wing senators ever. And I think his wife is a big dem. But he's a journalist. Why? Because he says he is. So that's the standard, self-identification, or getting hired by CNN or MSNBC or one of these, these media corporations? Surely that's not the definition of a journalist. What is the definition of a journalist? You go to journalism school... Well, that's like going to basket weaving school. What the hell does that mean? They won't tell us because they can't tell us. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcast.
Broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Are you anonymous? No, are you anonymous? No, I'm not anonymous. Are you anonymous? No, I'm not anonymous. Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. If you listen to this program, as we dissect these things, you see how corrupt the media are as a group, how unprofessional they are as a group, how they lack standards, really, of any sort as a group as a so-called profession. And this is the perfect example. Anonymous. A, basically, a, uh, an outburst by one individual given marquee attention in the New York Times op-ed page, which is now a news story. It's not a news story. It's a fabrication. News is actual news. It's not news. So the New York Times creates news and that becomes news. You see my point? It's not news. It doesn't reflect on what's going on in the White House or in the administration. It's one jackass who decides to go off the reservation. But the media praise this. They yearn for it. They exploit it. They create the news and then they report on themselves. Hey. This is the golden age of journalism. No, that's not from a fortune cookie. That came out of Jack, Jake Tapper's mouth. Former Democrat operative. And handgun control, Inc. Maybe it came from George Stephanopoulos. Former Democrat operative. And Clinton, mob, Inc. Who knows? So... The problem here isn't the White House. The problem, again, the media. The media fabricating news. That's what Trump means by fake news. And what's interesting about this, these self-appointed journalists, they'll tell you, we have to defend freedom of the press. Our democracy is in grave trouble with this man. And they spend their every waking moment undermining the republic. Because if you're trying to create an environment, you're trying to create circumstances in which a president cannot function in our republic, or he has difficulty functioning in our republic, he is, after all, one branch of the federal government, you're undermining the republic. I'm not saying aggressively report, but this isn't even a report. This is self-made news. Nobody's even told you that for the last 48 hours. And by the way, I meant to thank my buddy Dan Bongino for sitting in uh, yesterday. I went to a, a funeral of a beautiful lady just short of her 90th birthday. And when I say beautiful, I mean, yes, beautiful, but heart and soul. Her name was Adele, Adele Siegel. She'd been a school teacher, a wonderful wife of infinite years to Stan and beautiful children and grandchildren and 
nephews and nieces, wonderful stepsister, and uh, really makes you think when you go to a funeral and you hear about the person and what it's all about, what life is all about. And some people live their lives to the fullest and some don't. But, you know, even as a little kid, when I went to my first funeral, thankfully I haven't gone to a ton of them. It's not what I really want to do. I swore to myself, when I'm on my deathbed, if I'm in a position to actually think about what's happening, I want to know that I led my life the way I wanted to lead it. I want to know that I didn't compromise my principles. I want to know that in this short life God gives us, that I'm pretty damn proud of it. One of billions and billions, but that I did my best for my fellow man. When you watch like this non-New York Times story, when you watch these reporters, when you watch what I'm about to, uh, to swing into here, the, the Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee, are these people proud of themselves? I know they, they're very giddy about scoring character assassination points or, uh, or playing to the clique lights and whatever they or however they seek to promote themselves. But are they really proud of what they've done or what they're doing? Does it have meaning to society in a positive way? And look at this guy, Cory Booker. He's always been one of these politicians who goes for the dramatic. I seem to recall when he was running for mayor of Newark, talked about somebody dying in his arms or, you know, things like this. Cory Booker has a loose screw. I'm sorry. He has a loose screw. I think he's destroyed any chance of being president of the United States. He comes off like a nut, in my humble opinion. I mean, uh, then, then he's going to release information, confidential information that he's not allowed to release. Then he releases it, and it turns out they already cut a deal for him to release it. They spent an hour, hour and a half on this. The Democrats are the protesters. Now, Booker's been in the Senate, what, less than two years, something like that? Kamala Harris, a couple of years? Handful of them on the hard left. They have absolutely no respect for the traditions of the Senate. Absolutely no respect for the customs of the Senate Judiciary Committee. And they're applauded. They're celebrated. Meanwhile, when Donald Trump dares to tweet, he's mocked. Oh, look over there, Donald Trump. He does, as expected, there he goes off. Oh, yeah, yeah, he makes matters worse if he would just shut up and act presidential. How about these senators? Are they mentally ill? Should they be expelled? Have we had senators like this before who disrupt Supreme Court hearings? 
They might as well be in the audience with the protesters. I mean, after all, they've all connived together. No, not at all. They're respected. They are the future of the Democrat Party. The young Turks, smart and sharp and energetic. Trump. Oh, he's just, uh, you know, a white guy just doesn't know when the hell to shut up and, and get off Twitter. Cory Booker says America should reject constitutional risalism because the founders were flawed people. That's what he said in part today. IJR has it. During an over 20-minute opening statement, Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey lamented over how racist and misogynist the founding fathers were. Booker has been extremely outspoken of his disapproval of Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh, announcing his opposition very soon after the nomination was revealed. And by the way, fundraising on it. However, in his opening statement, he addressed the fact that Kavanaugh supports constitutional originalism, which means that the interpretation of the text should not change over time. Quote, I love that my colleagues keep going back to the Constitution, but understand this. I laud our founders. I think they were geniuses, but I understand that millions of Americans understand that they were also flawed people. Booker continued with examples that he believed showed the founding fathers' prejudice. He said, we know our founders and their values and their ideals, but we also know that they were flawed, and you can see that in the documents. Native Americans were referred to as savages. Women weren't referred to at all. African Americans were referred to as fractions of human beings. As one civil rights activist used to say, Constu, Constu, I can only say three-fifths of the word. The three-fifths clause in the Constitution was opposed by the slave states and pushed by the free northern states. The three-fifths clause goes to representation in the House of Representatives. It was a compromise. The southerners wanted to count black slaves as a full person for the purposes of getting more congressional seats. The northern non-slave states said no. You don't get to do that to empower your political position by using slaves that way. So the three-fifths clause has nothing to do with whether somebody is three-fifths of a human being. It was a compromise pushed by the North to limit the power of the South. But Cory Booker doesn't know that. He thinks the worst of these men. Cory Booker should do a little bit of reading of Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln did more for black people in this country than Cory Booker ever could. He referred to the founding fathers all the time. In the famous Lincoln-Douglas debates, which Cory Booker's never read, In fact, I doubt any member, Republican or Democrat on that committee has ever read. Perhaps Mike Lee and Ted Cruz, but that's it. He repeatedly referred to the Declaration of Independence, which is the founding document. The Constitution is the governing document manifested from the Declaration of Independence. And there's nothing about slaves 
or blacks or Native Americans in the Declaration of Independence. It's all about human beings and individuals. And Lincoln repeatedly made that point. That the men who founded this country, the men who wrote the Declaration of Independence, the men who fought the Revolutionary War, were imperfect men. And while they did try to address in many ways the issue of slavery, they couldn't get it done, mostly because of delegates from states like Georgia and South Carolina. So they had a choice to make. A nation or no nation. A nation or no nation. Founded on the principles of the Declaration of Independence. Unalienable rights for all human beings. They decided a nation. And as Lincoln said... Read that Declaration of Independence. The founders of this country left it to their progeny, to their children and grandchildren to fix this awful wrong. But first they had to form a nation. You read that Constitution. Read it. Nowhere in that Constitution does it promote slavery. It talks about when slavery, the importation of slaves shall end. That's not open-ended. You know, people like to point to Britain. Well, the Brits got rid of slavery. The problem was the Brits kept exporting slaves to the United States. It was big business. And they weren't the only ones exporting slaves to the United States. Slaves were being exported from Africa into the United States. From France and the United... But anyway, I'm not here to get into all that. I would tell Mr. Booker that it's Article 5 of the Constitution. And it's the Tenth Amendment which he despises, federalism. That it resulted in the so-called Civil Rights Amendments. The Civil Rights Amendments, explicitly ending slavery, explicitly applying equal justice to all men and women in this country. Over 700,000 casualties. These were great men, they weren't perfect. But what people mean when they talk about originalism, they mean interpret the Constitution looking at its text, and as the framers intended. So what part of the Constitution was the the continuation of slavery intended? None. And to put a fine point on it, an exclamation mark and an underline, we got the Civil War Amendments. And in order to get an amendment ratified in this country... You need three-fourths of the states. Remember states' rights? Three-fourths of the states amended the Constitution. The states. Federal government can't amend the Constitution. The states amended the Constitution. So I would ask Mr. Cory Booker, 
If you're not an originalist, then how do you interpret the Constitution? Based on the times? So FDR was right when he rounded up Japanese Americans and Americans of Japanese descent and put them in internment camps in the central part of the country. Move them off the West Coast. Is that right, Mr. Booker? Constitution should be interpreted based on the times. So Plessy versus Ferguson was right because at the time, separation but uh, equal, separate but equal was equal. Is that what you're saying, Mr. Booker? What are you saying, Mr. Booker? Do you even know what you're saying? No, you don't know what you're saying. Then they sit there, the Democrats, and say, apply the Constitution, except when we like precedent. Then reject the Constitution and apply precedent. In other words, for them, it's a blank slate. It's always been a blank slate. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I often wonder, I often wonder, you, you, you achieve something that was unimaginable. You're one of 100 United States senators out of 320 million people and what, about a half of that, adults and so forth, give or take. You're a senator. You're a senator. You take an oath to uphold the Constitution. You have enormous clout. You're deciding who should or should not serve on the United States Supreme Court. You're treated with the utmost respect. And yet you trash the country. You trash the Constitution. You trash the founders and the framers of of whom you know so little. Unbelievable to me. That the people who are supposedly our leaders lead us in an attack on our own system. I'll be right back. Right versus left is... Right versus wrong. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. You know, ever hear of nitric oxide? You really should hear of nitric oxide. So let me tell you about it. It has one atom of nitrogen, and you bond it with one atom of oxygen. And you've created nitric oxide. Now, that's a miracle molecule your own body makes that fuels your cardiovascular health and keeps you vibrant. creates energy in your body. And as you age, you know, your body needs help with this important process. Super Beets by Human has harnessed the power of nutrient-enriched beets to create a superfood that helps your body make nitric oxide on its own. One teaspoon of Super Beets daily supports your cardiovascular health and blood pressure levels, giving you natural energy. Energy without a quick caffeine kick or sugar high, and that stuff's not good for you. We're talking about real, healthy, natural energy. Stephen from Illinois says, taste is pleasant, as is the increase in energy. Great caffeine substitute without the negative caffeine side effects. 
Call 866-205-4907. Jot that down. 866-205-4907. Or go to superbeats.com slash Levin. Superbeats.com slash L-E-V-I-N. Find out how you can get a free 30-day supply of Superbeats. And free shipping with your first purchase. Feel the one plus one equals energy effect of Superbeats. Call 866-205-4907 or go to superbeats.com slash Levin today. I've said this before and I mean it. Abraham Lincoln, Thomas Jefferson, the great associate justice of the Supreme Court, Joseph Story, and others have said, if the United States is to fall, it will fall from within. Not from an external enemy but from within. It'll collapse from within. The media in this country, the Democrat Party in this country, the entertainment industry in this country, (coughs) academia in this country, are all of one mind. The fundamental transformation of America. Their fundamental transformation of America, which is what I call progressive statism. Centralized autocratic government said to be in the name of the people. Redistributing rights, redistributing power, redistributing wealth in the name of the people. And this force and its various tributaries is what Trump is up against. It's what conservatives are up against. It's what most Republicans are up against on Capitol Hill, but they're too stupid to know it. If we are going to fall, we will fall from within, as the greats have said, because of that force. You heard Cory Booker. Progressive statism cannot coexist with constitutionalism. You heard what he said today. You heard what he said today. But it's true. That's why anybody who does not embrace the mindset of a Ruth Bader Ginsburg at a Sotomayor or a Kagan or whomever. The face doesn't matter. The name doesn't matter. It's the ideology. Is not qualified, according to the left, to serve on the Supreme Court. You're not qualified because you embrace our founding principles. You're not qualified because you embrace our founders and our framers. You're not qualified. And by the way, we have an entire political party That has as its primary issue aborting babies. Roe versus Wade. You would think Roe versus Wade is in the Declaration of Independence. You would think Roe versus Wade is actually in the Constitution. You'd think it's somewhere. It's nowhere. It's another fabrication. But the Democrats use it to get the women's vote. The Democrats use it to claim they support privacy when they don't support privacy. Democrats are in your bedroom, they're in your living room, they're in your car, they're everywhere. They're in your food, they're in your face. And you know, there are times when the government should be in your bedroom. Right? Right, Mr. Producer? Don't we have laws against incest? Well, that's not allowed to take place in your bedroom. Don't we have laws against rape? That's not allowed to take place in your bedroom. Don't we have laws against... 
Child molestation, that's not allowed to take place in your bedroom. So there's all kinds of things that actually are outlawed in the bedroom, if you get my point. But the Democrats are great at one thing, propaganda. And the Republicans are awful. Awful. Let's take some calls here. Hold on, let me let me find the call. Oh, look at that. The call screen is up. Let us go to Guy, New York City, the great WABC. Go. Hey, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. Great to speak with you. Thank you. Well, I wanted to make a, a point that uh, nobody remembers, but Cory Booker, when he was mayor of Newark, I live about 15 minutes drive from there, and he was basically handed his seat and he had Obama stumping for him and everybody else under the sun. And he was like the next uh, great hope for the left. And uh, he quickly became an irrelevant zero. As far as I know, he's not even doing anything for his constituents who voted him in. Well, I, I believe that's quite true. I believe that's quite true. All right, my friend, thank you for your call. Stephen, Rancho Mirage, California, 870 The Answer, the great KRLA. Go. Hi, Mark. First of yes. all, I want to say Dan did a masterful job yesterday. That's got, why I have Dan in. He's got a very fine mind. Yes, he does. All right. Uh, it was apparent. Uh, I wanted to comment about the, the anonymous letter to the New York Times. Uh, you and I are in fundamental agreement that it's fake, but I wanted to make a finer point well, about that's it. Good. I, I, I didn't say it's fake. I believe it is some individual or individuals in the administration who are you know trying to topple the president let's talk about that point for a second um the comment's been made that the the letter was written by an actual member of the administration it's not a letter it's an op-ed but anyway go ahead i did the pretend letter but go for it a fake letter okay so i'd be intellectually stupid to say that it's not a letter written by someone in the administration, because it could well have been. But I don't see, I haven't heard any evidence that it was written by an administration turncoat. So I think that the... Well, you're not going to get any evidence. It's, it's anonymous. Okay. Well, it doesn't deter my point, which is that I'd rather hear more conversation about the letter coming from an alleged member of the administration. All right, come on. You, you sat on the line waiting to use the word alleged. I, I have no problem. I don't believe the New York Times is hiding the fact uh, that an actual human being wrote it, that it's anonymous. I believe these human beings do exist in government. There are saboteurs in government. There were saboteurs in the Reagan administration and a lot of these Republican administrations. Why do you doubt that? I don't doubt that. What I doubt is why would you make the conclusion or make the presumption that it is actually someone in the administration? Well, who do you think it is? It could have been anyone. It could have been... And your assumption's based on what? I'm saying there are only two possibilities about who could have written the letter. Number one... And and who cares, even? My entire point tonight that you've missed is the New York Times concocting a story. That's been my entire point tonight. I understand. Everything is about perception, however, and the perception of a lot of people is that 
there is proof positive this was written by someone in the administration. That's what they're hanging their argument on. No, people are taking the, at, at face value that the New York Times says it's anonymous from somebody in the administration. Okay, let's say it's not. How does that change my point? Your point is fine. I'm just making another point and trying to put a pin in the balloon of everyone who believes that it was, in fact, written by someone in the administration. I actually believe it was, because having served in an administration, I know there are people like this. What's different here is that the New York Times actually gave them some space. But there are people like this in, in virtually every administration, but particularly this administration. Thank you for your call. And I would call these individuals never-Trumpers. Let me tell you the slick little trick the never-Trumpers have for you. If Donald Trump fails somehow through the political games that go on in this country, if the Democrats take the House and unload subpoena after subpoena, investigation after investigation, tear them down, prosecutors uh, abound, and so forth and so on. The never-Trumpers will tell you, I told you so. I told you so. And there you are, you stupid conservatives and Republicans, following Trump blindly. And by the way, I don't follow anyone blindly. Sometimes even question myself, because that's what smart people do. But it is the never-Trumpers, very much like this anonymous who are participating in taking down this president. And they know it. Some of them are very clever in how they try to hide it. They'll trash the left out of one side of their mouth, but they always trash Trump out of the other side of their mouth. To show you how objective they are, how serious they are as conservatives, how thoughtful they are. So they can get a write-up in the very New York Times that, that published Anonymous. They're desperate for the left and for the left media to draw favorable attention to them. But you'll hear it all day today, the never-Trumpers. You know, on the one hand, this really is terrible. It is sabotage. It really, you can't run it. On the other hand, look at Trump's reaction. Look, look, at, look at how he talks and he attacks and he does this and he does that. That's a never-Trumper. And if Trump fails, I told you so. I told you. That's why I didn't vote for him. But today, they're rather quiet about that. Today, it's, you know, he's got many, many successes. But on the other hand, why does he tweet? Why does he do this? Why does he do that? It's called positioning, so you can never be wrong. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Ladies and gentlemen, now that I've been sleeping on my Casper mattress, how long, Mr. Producer? Seems like forever. I pick it over every mattress I've ever had. Helps me get the best night's sleep, period. Once you try Casper, you're going to love yours too. Casper is a high-quality mattress at an affordable price. I sleep cool and comfortably every night thanks to the unique combination of foams that provide the right pressure relief and alignment. Casper ships right to your door for free in a small, how do they do that, size box. They'll even pick it up if you don't love it and refund you everything, no questions asked. From its engineering to its packaging to letting you try it for 100 nights to its service. 
It's no wonder Casper has over 35,000 five-star reviews of all their products across Casper, Google, and Amazon. Put Casper to the test in your own home for 100 nights, risk-free. Go to Casper.com, use code MARK for $50 towards the purchase of select mattresses. That's Casper.com, code MARK for $50 towards the purchase of select mattresses. Casper.com, terms and conditions apply. Now, if you've listened to this program, you know I love this mattress. We have six Casper mattresses in this family. They also sell Casper mattresses for dogs. We have two of those. Six Casper mattresses in one, two, three, in four states, plus two dog Casper mattresses, in one state, here in the bunker for Barney and Marty. I cannot encourage you strongly enough to get your Casper mattress. Take your old mattress, lean it against the wall. Lean it against the And You know, I love my mattress. Try the Casper anyway. And I'm telling you, I think, no, I know you'll keep the Casper. So go to Casper.com, use code MARK, and get 50 bucks towards the purchase of select mattresses. I know what I'm saying. I really do. It is an outstanding product. All the products and services we mention, either I use them or a family member uses them or a very close friend uses them, or all of us use them. Eli, Harrisonburg, Virginia. WMAL, go. Yes, Mr. Levin, I'd like to talk to you about how I thought Ted Cruz's questioning of uh, Judge Kavanaugh was excellent. The way that he compared him to Merrick Garland, uh, what was it, 20, 27 out of 28 majority opinions they agreed with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought on day one when he talked about how the Democrats and all the records of Elena Kagan and Justice Sotomayor were far outnumbered Judge Kavanaugh. Well, here, let me just tell you this. Elena Kagan was never a judge. I mean, this guy, uh, uh, Kavanaugh, has 12 years' worth of court decisions. But look, we know what's going on here, don't we, Eli? We certainly do. I, they're not going to fool us. She was Solicitor General, wasn't she? Yeah, and she also worked uh, for Clinton for a while directly at the White House and so forth. So uh, these documents that they're talking about, uh, most of the documents are uh, documents that belong to the Bush presidency. Uh, when Kavanaugh was providing legal advice to President Bush. Uh, That's why this president has, on a few occasions, asserted what they're calling, I guess, constitutional privilege. And the reason is quite simple. The Senate doesn't have a right to these executive branch documents. Everybody said, well, they're doing oversight. Oversight of what? They don't have a right to these documents, necessarily, just because they demand them. And Tom Tillis today, and we'll, we'll, we'll do some of this in the third hour. Tom Tillis today was very impressive from North Carolina, one of the few times I might add, but he was very impressive. He said, you know what? You want transparency? How about all of us? How about we be forced to give all our emails to the American people? And you know what everybody said? Nothing. Can you imagine Patrick Leahy, 412 years worth of emails where he's conniving with Biden and conniving with Kennedy and uh, conniving with all these other guys. Can you imagine what his emails say? Oh, and Diane Frankenfeinstein, she's been there 112 years. Can you imagine what her emails say? They do not want the same standard that they compel on other people to be applied to them. They don't want it. Anyway, Eli, thank you for your call, my friend. Will. 
Washington, D.C., the great WMAL. Go. Hi. Hi, Mark. Yes. Uh, I've been watching these Kavanaugh hearings, and I've got a couple of observations to make that I'm sure uh, you have considered before. Uh, but let me say what they are. Uh, both Dick Durbin and uh, Chris Coons uh, have been asking uh, Judge Kavanaugh that are uh, actually implying that he must consider executive uh, power in terms of context. And they've been trying very hard to get him to agree with this. But, of course, Judge Kavanaugh is a very astute guy and has avoided uh, challenging them, challenging them um, or agreeing to that. Uh, but there are several consequences of, uh, of this that are really concerning. One, to consider executive power in terms of context, it violates the Constitution because laws are laws and they don't shift with the context. And the second point, it, uh, it says that when laws change, it benefits one side or the other. And, of course, it, they're not supposed to. And finally, that the implication here is that a president can be convicted uh, of wrongdoing or incapacity uh, with no proof or assertion by one faction or another, and thus uh, have his executive power limited. All right, my friend. Basically, what the Democrats are demanding is that their policy agenda and their political viewpoints be enshrined in the Constitution. That's pretty much it. And what uh, conservatives, that is constitutionalists, are demanding is that we have justices who will actually apply the Constitution. Big difference. Thank you for your excellent call. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811, as promised. And I do as I promise. At least I try to. Many of you actually work for a living, and you don't have time to watch these hearings in the Senate Judiciary Committee. Count yourself among the lucky. The Democrats have demonstrated on this committee that they are not qualified of mind and temperament to run this country. A whole bunch of them on the Senate Judiciary Committee are running for president. They should be running from president. They should be running from Everything, because they are awful. They're awful. Cory Booker demands the release of certain documents, and he says, look, uh, I'm not abiding by these committees, this committee's rules of confidentiality. Pretty remarkable. Meanwhile, it turns out that most of what he wanted to release was already approved for release by the chairman, Grassley. And he was going on all day long about racial profiling and some memo some email that Kavanaugh wrote. It was released. There's nothing about racial profiling. In fact, it shows the opposite. Kavanaugh rejected it after 9-11. Now, obviously, there needs to be some profiling. You're not going to run around and chase uh, 88-year-old Swedes 
when you know that's not where terrorism is coming from. What, you got to be so PC that uh, you're going to commit national suicide? But apparently that's what the left believes and the would-be president, Cory Booker, believes. Uh, So uh, some of this was leaked to the New York Times, by the way. I'm sure Cory had nothing to do with that in his great called it his Spartacus moment, fighting, violating the rules of the Senate. I'm going to violate the rules of the Senate by God. It's my Spartacus moment. Told you, the guy's got a loose screw. You know uh, how Stephen Colbert said he knew Brett Kavanaugh wasn't qualified to be a Supreme Court justice because his first name was Brett. Well, maybe Cory Booker isn't qualified to be a senator because his first name is Cory. I'm just saying, I don't know. But let's take a look at this. Cut three, Mr. Producer, go. So Senator Cornyn actually made a very good point. I knowingly violated the rules that were put forth, and I'm told that the committee confidential rules have knowing consequences. And so, sir, I come from a long line, as all of us do as Americans, and understand what that, that kind of civil disobedience is, and I understand Isn't that the cool? So you have a senator who's going to be civilly disobedient. Now, when Trump tweets, he's mocked. Here you have a senator who's a clown. He's a clown. He's into drama. And so I, we come from a long history of civil disobedience. Are you kidding me? In the U.S. Senate? So he's, he's doing figuratively, he's throwing over the table. Go ahead. So I am right now, before your, before your um, process is finished, I'm going to release the email about racial profiling. And I understand that, that the penalty comes with potential... The email housing. about racial profiling shows that Kavanaugh didn't support it. Anyway, but he's ready for his penalty, ladies and gentlemen. He's ready for his penalty. This is civil protest. Go ahead. And if Senator Cornyn believes that I violated Senate rules, I I openly invite and accept the consequences of my team releasing that email right now. And I'm releasing it to expose that, number one, the emails are being withheld from the public, have nothing to do. Emails are being withheld from the public. Has anybody ever seen an email from a United States senator? How come Freedom of Information Act doesn't apply to United States senators and members of the House. The reason is they wouldn't be able to function. So why should it apply to a president and his lawyer when they're trying to function too? Go ahead. Security. Nothing to jeopardize the sanctity of those ideals that I hold dear. Instead, what I'm releasing this document right now to to show, sir, is that we have a process here for a person, the highest office in the land, oh, for a geez. lifetime appointment. All right, slow down. The highest office in the land is president. We know it's a lifetime appointment. Go ahead. Rushing through this before me and my colleagues can even read and Before me and my colleagues. Before my colleagues and I. Go ahead. 
Can I ask you? And can I, want, I ask you? Can I ask you how long you're going to say the same thing three or four times? No, <laughs> sir. How, how, I'm how, saying, long, I'm how saying, long do you want? I'm take? saying I'm knowingly violating the rules. Okay. Wow, so what a tough guy. He's knowingly violating the rules. So what's going to happen? Lindsey Graham going to put the cuffs on him? He's knowingly violating the rules. Tough guy. Making a mockery of himself. To me, he has demonstrated that he's not qualified to be president. Not by age. and No, by what between his ears, which isn't much. Go ahead. Out for it. How many times do you want to tell us? Sir, I'm saying, I'm saying right now that I'm releasing, I'm releasing committee confidential documents. Mr. Mr. Chairman, Mr. Chairman, since, since Mr. the Chairman. senator invoked my can name, I, I do can I, insist on an opportunity to respond. Yeah, yeah, I did not right. mention his name, okay. but he had mentioned my name. And he's right. Running for president is no excuse for violating the rules of the Senate. And by the way, kudos to John Cornyn, seriously. He stood up to this bully, and that's what he is. He stood up to this demagogue, and he he fought him. Go ahead. ...potentiality of the documents that we we are privy to. This is no different from the senator deciding to release classified information that is deemed classified by the executive branch because you happen to disagree with the classification decision. That is irresponsible and outrageous. And I hope that the senator will reconsider his decision because no senator deserves to sit on this committee or serve in the Senate, in my view, if they decide to be a law unto themselves and willingly flout the rules of the Senate and the determination of confidentiality and classification. Now, I'm sure the Democrats will agree with that because they accuse Trump of this all the time from the executive branch perspective, right? Flouting the rules, violating the norms, being uncouth, you know, blah, blah. Go ahead. Irresponsible in conduct, unbecoming a senator. (laughs) Wow. That was something, wasn't it? But we're not done. Let's see here. Cut four, Mr. Producer. Go. If he feels that I and now my fellow colleagues who are with me have violated those rules, if he is not a tempest in a teapot, but sincerely believes that, then bring the charges. Go through the Senate process. See, this is all a setup. It's all staged. This is, uh, it's such a disgrace what these leftists have done to our institutions. They destroy them all. They burn them down. They burn them down, and yet they accuse Trump of doing that. I can hear the never-Trumpers. Well, you know, he's bad. He's out of play. But Trump, too. You know, Trump. Anyway, go ahead. On somebody that you said is unbecoming to be a senator, let's go through that process because I think the public should understand. You notice they burn the place down in the name of the public all the time. You notice that? to the public. No, you're an egomaniac who wants to be president of the United States. You, you haven't done a damn thing in the Senate. And so you create these spectacles to draw attention to yourself and you just happen to simultaneously send out fundraising emails. It's a crock. Some of us care about this country, Mr. Booker. Obviously you don't. Because, of course, you think the, uh, the framers of the Constitution were uh, so horribly imperfect that the Constitution itself should be rejected. Let's invite Mr. Booker onto the program, Mr. Producer. Let's see if we can have a conversation about the Constitution with Mr. Booker. Go ahead. Issue, does the public have a right to know this is not about the Presidential Records Act? This is not a violation of the Presidential Records Act? Publics have, the public have a right to 
access to your emails, Mr. Booker? How about the citizens of New Jersey? All right, let's try this. New Jersey. All of you listening to this program in New Jersey, up and down New Jersey, there's many, many of you. North Jersey, many of you listening on the great WABC, 50,000 watts. South Jersey, many of you listening on the great WPHT, 50,000 watts and everything in between. Atlantic City, we're in many places in New York. Excuse me, in New Jersey. Why don't you call Mr. Booker's office? Be civil, please. Be civil. And ask him to release all of his emails since he's been a United States senator. On behalf of the citizens of New Jersey, publicly release the emails so you, the people of New Jersey, so you can know whether your senator is conspiring behind the scenes to sabotage a Supreme Court nominee or whether he's a statesman. I strongly encourage you to do that. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. All right. We have um, Tom Tillis, as I had mentioned, at the Kavanaugh hearings today. He has a suggestion. I like his suggestion. Cut eight. Go. It took nearly 17 years to get my college degree. I went to five different institutions. I'm pretty sure none of them have been elevated to the Ivy League. Uh, That's right. Uh, I don't ever plan on running for president in 2020 or any point in the future. Uh, I want to make uh, I want to make one more comment and then one request. Um, The comment is I hope everybody will record a transcript of what's going on right now. Um, Senator Lee explains things, I think, in eloquent legal terms. But let's talk about the consequences of making this an untrusted body to receive documents under the Presidential Records Act. You may rue the day that you do that because you'll probably get fewer documents in the future. Now, what I would like to do is, is ask all of my members is perhaps we can actually demonstrate to the American people that we're prepared to expose our own records. I would like to suggest for the purposes of the SCOTUS nomination that all of us uh, waive any right to the uh, speech and debate clause and that we allow all of our email records related to the SCOTUS nomination to be made public on an immediate basis. I, for one, am ready to sign up for it now. I hope all my other members would do the same thing because in the interest of transparency, certainly it would make sense for every one of us, regardless of what we want to do in the future, to expose that information to the American people. What's wrong with that? Well, obviously, the problem with that is it makes it difficult for senators to function. Just as it makes it difficult for future presidents to function, should the Democrats get what they want. And so, you see, ladies and gentlemen, you have to punch them in the nose politically to make the point. And Tom Tillis is right. So all of you who live in the blue states where the senators are from on the Senate Judiciary Committee, I would encourage you to call their offices and ask them why all their emails related to this hearing, their discussions among other senators and with staff, their discussions with the media, as your representative in the United States Senate, that you want to make them public. You want them public. Why not? 
That would include a guy by the name of White House in Rhode Island. That would include you folks in California in Kamala Harris's state. And Dianne Frankenstein, also in California. That would include Senator Coons from Delaware. That would include Senator Liar about combat in Vietnam, Blumenthal, from Connecticut. That would include all of them. Little Dick Durbin of the state of the, the, uh, the yeah, state of Lincoln. They should all have to do it. Patrick Leahy keeps going on and on. Hey, hey, where's my Pepsodent? Uh, where's a Pepsodent? Uh, anyway, uh, he's been in the Senate longer than anybody right now in the Senate. He was elected in 1974 as a Watergate baby. He was 34 years old at the time. And he's been trashing conservatives left and right. He's diabolical. And he keeps accusing Kavanaugh of being the recipient of stolen documents. They stole our documents. <laughs> they stole our documents. They stole Where's my brandy? Anyway, cut nine. Go. June 5th, 2003, you received an email from a Republican Senate staffer. Oh, subject line spying. That is not overly subtle. Uh, <clears throat> This staffer appears in over 1,000 documents we received together with both you and Mr. Miranda. She says she has a mole for us uh, and so forth. None of this raised a red flag with you? It did not, Senator. Again, people have friends across the aisle who they talk to. At least this was my experience back then. Maybe it's changed and would... uh, There was a lot of bipartisanship on the committee. There was a lot of bipartisanship among the staffs. There were a lot of friendships and relationships where people would talk to, oh, I've got a friend on Senator Kennedy's, Ted Kennedy's staff, or I have a friend on Senator Hatch's staff, or I have a friend on uh, Senator Specter's staff. That kind of conversation and and information sharing is common. The gentleman they're talking about is Manuel Miranda. And he issued a statement to the Senate Judiciary Committee. Sixteen years ago, a colleague of mine on the staff of Senator Hatch discovered that Democrat staff of the Senate Judiciary Committee had negligently placed their documents on or shared server without protections. I admit that we exploited this to learn simple things about their plans to attack Bush judicial nominees at the behest of the left-wing interest groups. I also did so pursuant to my duty under the Code of Ethics of Government Service. The documents also revealed unlawful and unethical conduct by senators. I reported this unethical conduct to the Senate Ethics Committee, but never heard back. And among other things, the staff of Senator Leahy met regularly with outside groups and meetings and allowed them to vote as to which nominee would get a hearing and who would not. As the matter became public in the late 2003, the media, coached by Democrat press staff and senators, focused on the matter as if their documents were stolen or hacked instead of on the conduct revealed in them. Senators even abused their power by repeatedly urging Justice Department, that is the Justice Department, to prosecute me, even on the floor of the Senate. Instead, the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York fully investigated the matter, and I was fully vindicated. I went on to serve as a U.S. diplomat in Iraq after obtaining a full security clearance review. Nothing was stolen or hacked. Republican senators should not continue to surrender their words to those with malign intent. 
In 2002 and 2003, I worked with Brett Kavanaugh and many other counsels to confirm the nominations of Butch Justice were, were being horribly obstructed. Brett Kavanaugh was intently ethical in all my experience with him. He has no worries now, contrary to the malign intent of Senators Leahy and Durbin at Senate Judiciary Committee hearings. I can confirm that Brett Kavanaugh knew nothing of the source of any information that we obtained, nor did I ever meet with him privately, nor publicly to discuss it. He's quite right. And under federal law, the documents in question were supposed to be turned over to the U.S. archives at the end of the 106th and 7th Senates. They are now supposed to be public. And I call on Chairman Grassley to release those Senate Democrat documents. A champion of freedom. You know, you're one of the greatest champions of freedom in this country, if not in the English-speaking world, Mark. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. You know, I enjoy helping you, my listeners, like Nathaniel, who owed the IRS tens of thousands in back taxes, or so the IRS said. He told the IRS he didn't have the money to pay, but it didn't matter. They put a lien on his house anyway. Nathaniel heard how much I respect Optima Tax Relief, so he engaged them. Optima got the IRS to designate Nathaniel's case as CNC status, currently not collectible. That's a big win, because it basically says, no use pursuing our client, there's nothing to be gained here. Now, Optima kept fighting on Nathaniel's behalf until the IRS agreed to a deal that saved him thousands and resolved his tax debt for good. Optima knows that behind every tax problem are honest, hardworking Americans with families, homes, savings, and paychecks who need protection. Now, they've resolved over half a billion dollars in tax debt for clients. If you owe back taxes to the IRS, call my friends at Optima Tax Relief, 800-499-6300. 800-499-6300. One more time. 800-499-6300. Now, if you're one of those listening to me and you have a problem with the IRS and you are stressing out and it's affecting your family life, it's affecting your workplace, you're worried about letters coming in or somebody knocking on your door, I don't know what you're waiting for. These are the people. These are the pros, the experts. 800-499-6300. Maybe you don't think you even owe them all this money. 800-499-6300. 6,300. All right. That's who we have out here. Let us go to Joe. Columbus, New Jersey on the Mark Living app. Go. Hey, Mark. How are you? Very well. Thank you, sir. Um, I guess, should we be surprised, let alone give this idiot Booker the airtime we're all giving him? He's he substituted intelligence. Well, let me just answer that. Uh, I think we should give him more airtime because he's killing any chances he has of being president of the United States, in my view. Can we just refer him as grandstander then? Because the best thing. Yeah, that- but a lot of people who are working all day long don't hear him. So I can say grandstander, but they won't know what I'm talking about. Well, he substitutes intelligence for articulation like these new age Democrats are these days. That's all he is. He articulates with nothing. He's dead air. And I live in South Jersey, and even down here we're sick of him because it's ironic. His whole career has been a sham, and this stunt he pulled off today was a sham. That's all he's good for. Mm -hmm. 
Well, he's playing to his base. And uh, that's what the media do, too. They play to their base, which is, of course, the Democrat Party base. It's stupidity, Mark. It's just plain out stupidity. Um, you know, you throw a little ego in, and there you go. That's that's who you got, this idiot. All right, Joe. I know. <laughs> you know, conservatives in blue states suffer like hell. There's no question about it. Mark, Norfolk, Connecticut, the great WABC. Go right ahead. Mark, it is truly an honor to speak with you, and we Thank are you. so lucky to have you on our side. <laughs> Thank you. I've been listening to you. I've been taping your, show, your Sunday show so I can uh, teach my grandchildren about the truth. Anyway, uh, I, I was watching the, the first day of the hearings, and I was fully uh, ashamed of our senator, uh, Blumen Idiot, who spoke out of turn and was one of the loudest voices to try to shut down the proceedings. And I was just like, I was just dumbstruck. I can't believe that more than half the people in my state actually support this guy. Yeah, even even as uh, the low standards for most uh, Democrat uh, members of Congress, now, this guy's like at the lowest of the low, don't you think? Yes, I, I truly believe so. I mean, and he's creepy. Yep. He talks creepy. He is creepy. He's, he's just, he just, he just doesn't have, he just doesn't have any, any, uh, anything good to say. He was, and when he had got to interview him the next day, which was what today, uh, he, he actually sh- shut him down. He shut down the judge when he started to answer one of the questions. He asked him a question. When the judge began to answer, he shut him down and went on to another question because he didn't want to hear the answer. It's just disgusting. I really think. As painful as it is, the more Americans who watch these hearings, the worse the Democrat Party does. Unbelievable. Particularly Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Blumenthal, well, all of them, really. Little Dick, Durbin. They just come across very, very badly. All right, my friend, I appreciate your call. Let's keep going. Joey Binghamton, New York, the great WDGJ. Go. Hi, Mark. Uh, nice talking to you. I really you. admire you, and I watch your Sunday night show. I thought the last Sunday night show was great. Uh, glued to my seat for a full hour. Can I but can I, I announce something while you're here? And I apologize for interrupting. The plan now is, I don't even know if I'm allowed to tell you this. I mentioned it before, but, it, but it's true. That at 7 p.m. on Saturday nights, they're going to run the show that I had the Sunday before on Fox. That's the plan. And then a new show on Sunday night. So the plan is this Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern time, Eastern time, uh, we're going to have a replay of my interview with uh, Candace Owens and Katie Pavlich. And then Sunday at 10 p.m. Eastern time, our brand new show with John Voigt. And John Voigt, acted with uh, Burt Reynolds, among others, in Deliverance. Uh, Burt Reynolds passed away today from a heart attack in Jupiter, Florida. And um, we had scheduled uh, John Voigt, obviously, well before that. Uh, and I will be talking to him about that and, obviously, his ideas and philosophies and so forth. He's a very compelling individual, and I've known him for some time. So that's the plan. Anyway, my friend, you gave me the opportunity. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, well, I wanted to talk about the anonymous Trump infiltrator that the mm-hmm. Times newspaper claimed. And, and I'm, I'm thinking, and this is gut feeling, I wanted to see what you thought about it. 
is that suppose somebody comes to one of these low life uh, uh, people that you know does the news, one of the lower people, and he comes up to me and says, uh, you know, I have some news for you. I'm a, I'm a Trump infiltrator. You know, so he says, oh wow, that's great. Uh, maybe we can use you in the, in the newspaper. So he goes to his boss, and his boss says, he tells that to his boss, we got a Trump infiltrator here or whatever. He's got some news, and he says, well, who is he? Well, he never left his name. Uh, I don't know who he was. He just took right off or whatever. So they they print it without even, uh, you know, any evidence of who the person was. And I, and, and, and in fact, the man, uh, the, the lower person in the, in the uh, press he uh, made it up okay well and- we had a caller who said how do you know it's even anybody and you see this is I, I feel pretty certain it is and I feel at some point they may be outed and not by the New York Times but by other people by process of elimination but I really think the focus should be even more on the media in this case the New York Times they take an anonymous uh, op-ed they know who it is, in my view, obviously. And uh, they turn an op-ed from some malcontent in the administration and turn it into a news story. And I think the bigger lesson here, and the more troubling one is, how the media create news. So their own op-ed, which, as you point out, they claim is from an anonymous person inside the White House, or inside, not the White House, the administration. And now it is a news story. So they take it from an anonymous source, allegedly, as you point out. They run it as an op-ed. And now it's a news story? Is that a news story, sir? That's a nothing story. Right. I agree. It is a nothing story. And and like I said, I always thought from my gut that uh, it was all just made up. You know? All right. uh, it was, it was all just, uh, uh, in, in the past, well, it's it, made up, like uh, uh, that Trump is unbalanced. That's made up. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, he's been around for 70-some years. The only time he's called unbalanced is when he's president of the United States. I know. But, but it fits the pattern. I mean, the Democrats are, are, I mean, it's like every week there's a crisis. Every, maybe twice a week there's a That's crisis. That's right, because they want to wear us out. I think O'Reilly's right about that. We appreciate your call, Joey. Let's slip in another one, shall we? I think so. Judy, New York City. That great WABC. Go. Hey, it's a great honor, Mark. You're the best. I love you so much. Listen, Thank you. I, 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 I want to tell you something. There, this whole multifaceted resistance from all, all sides, now with Cory Booker, now with this one with his book and whatever, it's so ridiculous. Don't you think, Mark, considering that Donald Trump is doing the best job on the economy, like, isn't that the most important thing? It's been the best in the past 25 years. Well, look at the economy. Years. Look at national security. Look what he's trying to do on immigration. Look what he's trying to do uh, in foreign policy. I mean, uh, as I say, we can all have certain disagreements with his policies, but as a whole, I mean, what's the problem? Employment is, is the best in the past 50 years, I'm told, but more importantly... Well, well, well let me slow you down a second. Did you see this jerk who's the president of the AFL-CIO, Trumka? Oh, he's an idiot. I Did you see him on with Chris Wallace uh, Sunday? And and uh, and he says, yeah, Trump's pretty good, but he but worker pays. Now he sounds like Nancy Pelosi. Looks a little like her, too, may I say, uh, if you imagine him in a dress. And uh, nothing wrong with that, of course. And uh, But he's a hack. He's a hack for the Democrat Party. 
Obama did nothing for his rank and file. Nothing. Right. Absolutely. Mark, I want to tell you something. Yes, ma'am. Do you realize, do you, do you realize that Donald Trump uh, thinks Nike should make him the poster boy? And I'll tell you why. <laughs> no, I'm serious. If anyone, I, I like it. Go ahead. Listen, if anyone has sacrificed his life, I think it's Donald Trump. This yeah. is a guy that could have sat back as a billionaire. Right. He could have had the life of luxury and comfort with all respect, bias and apprentice and whatever. And here he is. He stepped up to the plate. He didn't like the ideology of Obamacare. He didn't like the way the country was going. And take a look. This, this guy is really terrific. Uh, listen, Judy, here's the truth. Most of these corporations, not all of them, most of them are run by liberals. Most of them are run by liberals. Republicans are called corporate Republicans, corporate this guy. No, most of these companies are run by liberals. All right, Judy, great call. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, Bill and Hillary Clinton didn't think uh, Trump was off his rocker when they invited him to, when he invited them to his wedding. The Democrats didn't think Trump was off his rocker when he was one of them. The Democrats didn't think Trump was off his rocker when he gave them money for their campaigns. They praised him. They embraced him. They campaigned with him. Have you thought about that? The media didn't think he was off his rocker either. But now they do. Funny how that works. I can't stress enough that you must protect yourself from thugs who steal personal information. Email addresses, social security numbers, medical cards, passwords, and retailers are being compromised every day. Look, you can't just stay vulnerable. It's why I switched to my ID care, our brand new solid sponsor. They are the best in the business. MyID Care covers you for the nine types of identity theft, providing best-in-class service. Now, with tri-bureau credit monitoring and dark web monitoring, it's the kind of comprehensive protection you need right now. The government can't protect you. You need to protect yourself. And you can sign up. MyIDCare.com slash mark, promo code mark. It's that simple. MyID Care has taken care of Fortune 500 companies for years but just recently made the protection available to you, my listeners. Now, I switched in a heartbeat because their protection is stellar. Tom Kelly, the CEO, is a genius at personal ID protection. Plans start for less than 10 bucks a month, and only my ID care offers a money-back recovery guarantee. I don't worry about identity theft anymore, and neither should you. My listeners, you, you also get 15% off at myidcare.com slash mark. Enter promo code mark. Myidcare.com slash mark. Promo code mark. Learn more. And then let my ID care take care of you. Sleep easy. Myidcare.com slash mark. Promo code mark. One more. Myidcare.com slash mark. Promo code mark. Okay. There's a great piece in the Free Beacon, by the way, how the Palestinians are militarizing their children, and it's getting worse, turning them into terrorists. I must say, I saw a piece on the Fox News channel, our favorite cable channel, um, in the 6 o'clock hour, 
uh, a story on the Palestinian refugees, quote-unquote. It was a debacle, the story. It was so one-sided I couldn't believe it. So one-sided I couldn't believe it. Israel the bad guy, Trump the bad guy, the UN the good guy, the Palestinians the good guy. I mean, it was terrible. I'm saying this with all due respect. It was terrible. It's really not right to do stories like that, in my humble opinion. All right. Let's continue here. Let's see. Rick Minot, North Dakota, XM Satellite, go. Hey, good evening, Mr. Levin. Uh, Hello, it's an my honor friend. to talk to you. I, I Thank get you. to when I can. So do I. Say, I listen quite a bit to Fox and everybody. I try to get all sides. But I was listening to the hearing today, and I'm just amazed at how stupid, perhaps, if maybe that's a strong word, that the Democratic senators are asking questions that they know cannot be answered because of the position for which Mr. Kavanaugh is seeking. And they're trying to set him up for their base. And one guy that frustrated me was Cory Booker. Uh-huh. Uh, I call him the, the future Obama wannabe. He's, he, he may not make it till 2020. He'll make it at 2024 trying to make a run. He's trying to get his name out there, and they were grandstanding. And it just, I'm going, this is who we have in Washington, and who would send this man to Washington? Uh, listen, their base is so nuts. Uh, I'm telling you. First of all, look, they sent him to the Senate. And uh, that's why I say people need to watch more of these hearings and the Democrats in these hearings, although I think they end t- late tonight, that the Democrats have revealed that they are incapable of governing, they're just incapable of it. They, the, 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 these individuals want to run for the presidency from the Senate Judiciary Committee during the all-important hearings for a Supreme Court nominee. And I'll tell you one of the things that does concern me, though, and it's this, Rick. I don't know how cons- uh, how uh, much of an originalist Kavanaugh is. I mean, we're going to find out, but you know, there's certain questions that should be asked. From a constitutionalist perspective, uh, and I don't think there were a hell of a lot of them, because uh, having to deal with the Democrats and their, uh, as my mother-in-law would say, shenanigans. (laughs) And now my wife says it, too. It's hilarious. Eh, the shenanigans, you know, I say BS, but I don't use the initials, if you know what I mean. I do. I I just, I, I, I love our republic. I love democracy, but I watch this. You don't want to fundamentally transform it, I take it. Oh, Lord. You know what? We have enough problems in this world, and if this is the way the future is looking, uh, I pray for my children and everybody else. I'm with you. Children, grandchildren, because you got senators who trash the founders of the country, they dock the constitution of the country. uh, uh, You have people with very thin real-world experience, who managed to get elected in blue cities, blue states, and then they run around telling you how the world should work when they've never really experienced the world or reality. It's a, it's a terrible thing. It's scary. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, ICE, emergency personnel, Border Patrol, all you wonderful heroes out there. You know who you are. And I will see you tomorrow. God bless. God bless.